Amen. Well, I know it's, this is one of those passages that is really difficult to really understand what's going on because it's just so hard to empathize with. Yeah, that was a joke. Um, and I know, I'm going to keep the sarcasm going, so just hear through that filter, okay? I know it's really hard to identify with Martha, but we really need to try. And so because it's so difficult, let me, I'm going to start and just talk about how I might be able to identify her, and we'll just kind of keep going from there. So it's as if I were saying to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that I'm slaving away preparing sermons? Maybe replanting a church after a pandemic with half of the people and a fraction of the resources? Maybe, let's just keep going. <clears throat> Jesus, don't you care that I'm slaving away creating and running the spiritual formation incubator? That I'm rehearsing and leading worship every week on top of a full-time job, preparing table kids' activities and holding crying babies, scheduling volunteers, setting up and serving communion, welcoming guests, arranging and rearranging chairs, arriving early. Okay, sorry, let me time out. We should be realistic, otherwise it's going to be hard to identify. So, <clears throat> arriving less than 10 minutes later, late. I got to get these in, guys. Come on. Attending and serving for faithfully, faithfully for six years in a five-year-old church plant, which I know I'm not a math major, but that actually does work out because some of you have been here since before. We launched during the launch team. Slaving away, loving my neighbors, giving kind of generously, voting correctly, getting mad about real injustice, or if you're me, real wars instead of stupid culture wars. Staying in the same church long after your friends have left or leaving the last church because they just suck. Juggling all of the things all of the time and otherwise just spinning in anxiety because despite all evidence to the contrary, I still live as if I I'm a self-sufficient God, and you, Jesus, are not. So please, you know, you have to put in a few, mm. Jesus, please, can you tell those other people to help me? Now, is this dramatic? <laughs> yeah. Is it inaccurate? No, it is not inaccurate. My point is this, that there is a Martha in all of us. And I want you to notice that in, in everything that I, I just got done saying, all of those things were good things, but isn't it amazing how much it felt different and fundamentally changed because of how it started and how it ended? That is the difference. And, and I'm sorry, I probably should have included some kind of a trigger warning for type A personalities. For those of you whose love language is acts of service, anyone who loves hospitality, anyone who has strong opinions, and those who you know, believe, at least in theory, that Jesus calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves, so basically for all of us. And hang with me, because what, what, what is being done here and what this passage is is a, re, is a mere reflecting, an opportunity for us to kind of have our hearts tenderized a little bit. I'm trying to illustrate what is Luke's implicit invitation by recounting the story, both 
at all, but also in the way that it is being recounted. And that is an invitation to interrogate our hearts for the inner Martha that is causing us so much of that anxiety, right? I want to reinforce how much it is a good thing, all of the things that I mentioned, how much it is a good thing that Martha was serving and providing hospitality, right? It, the, one of the, the word that is used here uh, when it says Martha, Martha was distracted with much serving, that word serving is, uh, in the Greek, it's diakono, which is the same word we translate as deacon, right? And it is exclusively in the New Testament. It is only used in a positive sense. So it is only ever good. Also, we can't read this and think that, you know, what Jesus is trying to say is like, you know, doing things bad, being good, because this comes right after the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? He's not going to say, like, doing things and serving people in need is good in that breath and then be like, no, actually, the problem here was that you were too active. Like, that's, that's not what's going on here. What is going on here is Jesus is recognizing the heart condition that causes all of this anxiety. And in short, if you have not received kindness you will be unable to extend it. Whether, the, whether you have not received kindness because you forget it, you neglect it, or you don't actually think that you need it because you're good, you're fine, something else will spill out instead. Jesus reinforces this in Matthew 12 when he says, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So, if you're not convinced, though, that, that there is a Martha in all of us, maybe you're like, actually, that sounds like a lot of work, and I'm really lazy, and I don't want to do that, and that's, that's not me. Um, hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out on this. And I want, to, I want to preface this illustration with the fact that I chose to go in this direction before I remembered that this morning was daylight savings time. And so when I ask, are you tired this morning? I want you to pretend that it's not a physical exhaustion because it's daylight savings time and you have kids, and use that feeling and that experience that you might not otherwise have had to remember how you felt this way yesterday too, okay? Are you tired this morning? And if you are, ask yourself why. Not because it's invalid, but to literally interrogate the reason why am I tired? Maybe I shouldn't just assume I understand that because one of the things that's been very interesting to me as a pastor over the years, I've heard consistently, all the time, this, this, uh, this sentiment that I'm exhausted and I need a break from church, right? Now, what I mean by that, I'm not saying I need a break from serving and volunteering. Some of you all, you actually probably should take a break and serve, and some of you probably should help out a little bit more, right? That's not, what's, that's not what I'm describing. I'm talking about just showing up, and I get it, right? I get it, and, I, and Hannah gets it even more because we have a six-month-old and a five-year-old, and Hannah gets it more because I'm focused on doing this and preparing for this while she's doing it basically by herself every single week. It's valid. Also, it's been two years and two days since everything shut down from the pandemic. And I've talked to a lot of you who have also been like, it's so hard to restart these rhythms. Totally. It absolutely is. But the opportunity here, 
And the whole reason I'm harping on this is because before Martha was frustrated, she was exhausted. And the frustration was what came about because she was exhausted. I've also heard more recently from several of you, and if you're like, oh, I, Brad is thinking about me when I say this. I, I, I am, but I don't remember which of you because it has been so consistent. And that is the, somebody, people, those of you expressing that you know, we haven't come back because we're, still feel, we're feeling still too overwhelmed to serve or volunteer. It just feels like too much. Maybe that's why you're watching on the live stream right now. I want to just reinforce, like, I appreciate that thoughtfulness. But guys, what are we doing if it is not to come and receive the kindness of Christ? It breaks my heart hearing, hearing that every time. And as if you are somebody who has said that, you know that this will be redundant. And I, because I have said every single time, don't serve then. God has gifted us an opportunity to be in this space, and we're going to be, we're going to use the resources we have and no more. It's like, just come and start to receive because you can't extend kindness. You can't serve it in hospitality without receiving it first. So just come and receive. This, again, I'm harping on this because it exposes what I am convinced is the biggest idol in Boulder County. And for those of us who are here, this is both if you came from someone else or you've been here for a long time. I used to think that the, the idol or the thing that we valued or, or were tempted to love more than God was image, right? This idea maybe that like, it's not that I want to ski, it's that I want to be the kind of person who skis. But it's actually... I'm increasingly convinced it's self-sufficiency. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough, like, on my own. And when reality proves that we actually aren't self-sufficient, when it smacks us in the face, we result first with exhaustion and then a mounting and building anxiety that leads to fight or flight, right? Just like, like Martha We'll fight, we'll get frustrated, we'll project onto others our own feelings of, of, of lacking self-sufficiency, we'll lash out, we'll try harder to optimize ourself because really it's just a problem of like there, our house is too cluttered um, and, and like I need to like figure out how to drop kids off on the way to something else and if we just optimize, that's what's going to make us happy and it's not, when that doesn't work, we run out of the energy, spiritually speaking, to fight, so we flee. And by the way, fleeing is not the opposite, uh, you know, like, the opposite of fighting like Martha is not fleeing like Mary. It's actually more like the prodigal son who tries to fill himself up and, and indulge. And so we do this with self-care. We want to, like I said, take a break from church. We want to check out. You want to binge watch the new Viking season on Netflix? Nobody watches that, huh? Cool. <sighs> Don't hear what I'm not saying, though, right? You are physical and you are finite. Those are good things. Do them. Maybe not binge. You know, put, boundaries are good. But Netflix is fine, right? Do those things. Just don't do them on Sunday morning. 
Like it really is. I know it's not easy. It is that simple though. And, be, and you, we shouldn't, not because like my ego is fed because there are more people here, but because we're missing out. Jesus says that those things, while good, are not the singularly necessary thing. Singular. There is one. That's it. And if we replace what is necessary with what is unnecessary, it won't satisfy for very long. Just like the second season of Space Force. He knows. Right? Both because it's not as satisfying as I thought, and also it's not as long as the first season. So maybe that's a good thing. Anyway. <sighs> if you know, you know. The alternative here is that Jesus is inviting us to choose the better portion. Right? In verse 42, when he says... Um, she had, Mary has chosen the good portion. This is, he's actually playing on the theme of hospitality because she's acting as the host. She's serving Jesus and Mary and if there are others there. And she, he's saying, like, just like the meal that we are eating right now and you're serving and hosting, even better than that, the, the good portion is this. It's sitting at my feet and listening to my teaching. Verse 41, we know this. Again, notice how it starts and ends. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. It's not that these things are bad. The contrast is not between burning out and sleeping in or between Martha Stewart and Ferris Bueller. Also not between Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg, though I did genuinely try to figure out how that might work into the sermon. The difference is between anxious self-sufficiency and a hungry eagerness to sit at Jesus' feet in order to feast on his word. Thankfully, Jesus, unlike us, is not frustrated with Martha or us because she or we failed. He is compassionate because we're missing out. He says, Martha, Martha, this kind of like saying someone's name twice is, is, is like a, a colloquial way of, of, of communicating, like, no, 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 I love you. It's, a, it's, a, it's pleading, not disdain. It's not judgment. It's, no, 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 hear me out. Jesus is saying, don't hear what I'm not saying, <laughs> right? And so he's saying to us, insert your name instead of Martha, friend, friend, so much is worthy of stressing out. And so many things are making you anxious. But you don't have to sacrifice sipping on living water. You don't have to sacrifice that on the altar of your kids' demands or preferences. You don't have to sacrifice on the altar of your boss, your bosses or your expectations of yourself or your family patterns or your childhood wounds or your marital strife or your financial woes or your lack of margin or your global instability. Bring it. Those things are a hard yoke, a heavy burden, and empty calories. This is the last thing I'll say before we go into the Q&A. 
Bryce reminded me this week of a a very well-known quote from Dallas Willard, that grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. So what I'm trying to say is, put the effort into receiving his kindness because it's better, it's more satisfying. And if you're tired and you're exhausted, that's actually your soul telling you of its need for it. And it's very simple, actually. Sit at his feet and listen to his word. By the way, on this note, we kind of make this false dichotomy between like Jesus' presence and Jesus' teaching and like his, you know, some of us who grew up in a church where it was, there was huge emphasis on teaching and no emphasis on presence, we want to like swing the pendulum in the other direction. It's a both and, and Jesus is very clearly communicating that the better portion, the good portion that Mary is imbibing is being with him in his presence among God's people, imbibing his word. You know, word like the Lord's Prayer, which we did earlier. It's not an accident that this is sandwiched between the Good Samaritan, which is all about hospitality, and then the hospitality we are invited to, part, to taste and see by praying the Lord's Prayer. That we can trust and put the effort and the intentionality, maybe effort isn't, isn't as good of a word, but it starts with E like earning, so it's, you know, pithy. But like the intentionality and the priority of taking God at his word, when he says, who of you, if his, who among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Like, maybe we could ask even for the motivation to get out of the house. Like, crazy, this is a crazy idea. Maybe the... Jesus' miracle in feeding the 5,000 is, is less about, you know, the physical, the physicality of the food, but also, but more about how God in his providing can make exponentially more when we bring our little, when we, especially when we have very little to give. That is when God's grace becomes biggest. You know, teaching in his word that we need to feast on, like, Jesus being baptized at the beginning of his ministry and before he had performed a single miracle or done anything, hearing the voice of the Father from heaven say, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Maybe you need to know that you don't have to show up having done jack crap in order to hear that because as a Christian, you are in Christ. And so when God says that about his son, he says that about us this morning and his people now. Maybe you need to hear that when you're spinning with anxiety because, because you're worried about what people think about you or if you're worried about how your performance is with your job or you're constantly having the same argument in your marriage. Maybe you need to hear Zephaniah 3.17, which was uttered when Israel and God's people were at one of their most rebellious, totally boneheaded moments in history. When Jesus says, the Lord your God is in your midst, one who is mighty and will save, not because he has to, but because he's glad to, and he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet 
In other words, calm the anxiety in your heart by his love. And he will exult over you with loud singing. He will sing at the top of his lungs in the shower when nobody's listening because he loves you. He will make a fool of himself because he loves you. What a hard yoke and a heavy burden. Anybody need a break from that? What better portion can we choose than hearing that we can rest forever because Jesus says from the cross that it is finished. And when he says it, he means it, capital I, capital F. Why would you not want to hear that every day and twice on Sunday? Okay, once on Sunday, but maybe every Sunday. Let me see what questions we have this morning. All right. As a society, we often think happiness is pleasure, but we forget happiness is peace slash love from the Lord. Totally agree. Yeah, there's no question in there. However, let me fill that out actually a little bit. There are like countless scientific data quantitative studies out there that says the pursuit of pleasure is the fastest way to being unhappy because there is no corresponding difficulty or struggle or pain that has to be overcome so you don't appreciate it. You become desensitized to it. You, you have the function, it is a functionally perpetual spiritual hangover. And that is incredibly unsatisfying. What, we'll, we, what we will discover <laughs> makes us happy is when we as human beings live as we are designed to, as we were made to. And that includes a relationship with God where we are, under, we are, we are responding and engaged in that relationship with God. By God's grace, <laughs> emphasis on grace, he is the one who initiates, he is the one who sustains, and he is the one that empowers and, and nourishes and pursues us even when we're unable to. That, that's really good news. So, when we, <laughs> in this passage, and we're, when we are uh, looking at the better portion that Jesus is giving and offering to us in response it's not an accident that it's all revolving around hospitality, not just because of the, um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, but because hospitality and food and drink is an image visually and physically and tangibly of his love for us. And when we do communion, when we partake and participate in communion, it's important to know that this is the Lord's table, it's not Brad's table. It's not even the table's table. It's Jesus's table. And part of what is so amazing and, and beautiful about the picture that we see in Luke 10 is that part of what Jesus is trying to communicate to Martha is this. Martha, you think you're the host, but you're not. I know this is your house, but my presence 
is your welcome. And that is the basis of your welcome for me. And so when he was with his disciples, this is why when he was with them, he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, this body, this, this bread is my body. It is broken for you such that you would be made whole. You may notice, by the way, that I say the same thing a lot for this. It's because it doesn't change. And even as our circumstances do, this bread of life is the thing that gives us life and happiness. Not the actual bread. It's tasty. Don't get me wrong. But it's Jesus being spiritually present as we celebrate communion that is the source of our life. Likewise, he says, the wine, he poured out the wine, and he says, this wine is the blood of the new covenant. It is shed for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. You don't have to come with your resume. You don't have to worry about your dignity, value, and worth, being dependent on what you do, how good of a host you are, or all of the things that we can be anxious about. This is the basis of peace. I have, div- I have broken down all of the dividing walls of hostility. Come and celebrate. There is nothing that separates you from me or you from one another. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this wine, he says, you proclaim that reality as more true than the broken, fallen one we have to live in until he ushers it in, until he returns. That's really good news. So if you are tired, maybe you're frustrated, maybe you are mildly to moderately annoyed that I'm talking about these things and it's a little uncomfortably the shoes fitting, do not hear what I'm not saying or what Jesus is not saying. Hear only the invitation that you're missing out and come, eat, sit at his feet, imbibe on his word and be with him because that's why he did this. If that is even remotely a mustard seed's worth of where your hope and faith is, this is for you. You're not just welcome to it. This is why he does it. Let's pray. Jesus, I confess when I read Martha, Martha, When I put myself in those shoes, Lord, I, I just default to worrying and thinking and being anxious about you thinking less of me. I worry that you just put up with me. And Lord, that, that's not good news. It's not the gospel. It's exhausting. It's crushing. It's burdening. It's a hard yoke. It's a wicked taskmaster, but master. And that's actually not you. You are the one who loves us so much that you died for us and that if you were willing to do so then, there is nothing we can do to lose your love now. Thank you, Lord, for enduring that, not just to effectuate our rescue, but Lord, also to remind anxious hearts and that Martha voice in all of us that is predisposed to doubt. Thank you, Lord, that you look at us and say, Brad, Brad, whoever, with compassion and love. Lord, help us to receive this kindness and let it nourish 
our hearts and our souls in ways that we don't have a category for, but you love to do. We pray all this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.